Thank you for downloading the One Church Podsmead podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. To find out more about life at One Church, visit us online at thisisonechurch.com. Today we are going to look at this new series called Our House. Nudge the person next to you and say, Our House. Um, So we are doing this series called Our House right up until we are one because, you know, God calls his church a house sometimes, right? This is our house and we are part of a much bigger house called One Church and then we're part of a much bigger house again called The Church. (laughs) And uh, and we're going to celebrate that over the next couple of weeks, and we're gonna we're gonna uh, find out what God wants to fill His house with, and how He wants to do it. Is that cool? Because this is our house. This isn't my house. This is our house, and we all have a responsibility and a part to play in that house. Will you turn with me to Proverbs twenty four, um, verses three to four, and it will come up on the screen if you haven't got a Bible with you, or if you've got a smartphone and you don't have a Bible, you can download something called U Version, and that's a Bible for you to have on your phone, so you can literally read it wherever for free. Twenty four verses three to four. By wisdom. A house is built, and through understanding it is established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. By wisdom, a house is, and through understanding it is, through knowledge, its rooms are with rare and beautiful treasures. How exciting is that? Great words in Proverbs. Have any of you got like this picture in your mind of what your dream house would look like? (laughs) Liam announced to me last week, he said, um, when you go back to work uh, full time, we'll get a new house. I've decided. So, oh, okay, then I'm going back to work full time and I'm getting a new house. Um, But I was like, but you know, once once that phrase has been spoken, let's get a new house, you go oh, what kind of house? And you start getting this list out. And I was like, well, I want something that's got like a separate utility area. Because isn't it really annoying when you've just got like washing and like a noisy, my washing machine is so noisy. My house just, it just goes, you just can hear it everywhere. And it's one of those sounds in life that just gets under my skin. And I'm like sat in the living room irritated and I don't know why I'm irritated and then I realize it's because the washing machine is on which is ridiculous isn't it but anyway but we end up with this this is that was just I obviously needed to get that off my chest this morning um but we we have these lists don't we of our dream home and what it would look like. Would you have a, a separate utility area? Would you want to have an ensuite in your bedroom? Would, how many bedrooms do you want? What do you want it to be like outside? Liam was like, we need to get an even bigger drive. Let's get one that we can get like seven cars on, not just six. And I'm like, babe, our driveway is an exception. We could actually probably build another house on it. Maybe we should do that instead. And um, and But you get these like fantasy ideas about what you would like your house to look like if you could have anything if money was no object what would you put in your house what kind of house would you have what would you put in your house James hot tub (laughs) 
was trying to suggest he's already got a dream house because he's got a hot tub. Isn't it cool? Buy a house and they just throw the hot tub in too. That's amazing, isn't it? Amy, what would you have in your dream house? Uh, I would have a pool outdoors. A heated one outdoors. Yeah, definitely. Anna? This is really boring. A utility room. Yes! (laughs) Not just me. Okay, Liam, what would you have? A Liam's pad room. (laughs) Liam's pad. What about you, Clay? What would you have? An ensuite bedroom. (sighs) Yeah, I I feel you. (laughs) Oh, like high ceilings and Edwardian features. of applause high ceilings and award uh, yeah i mean i would have i wouldn't have a staircase i'd have a slide oh. and a lift yeah or you could have an escalator one side slide down the other because who doesn't go to the london underground and think if those little things weren't there i'd be straight down there yeah are you with me but um or this is i reckon once you see this picture in just a second if it's working if you got that picture in a second I think you might want this. How amazing is this? So that slide, that slide, (laughs) it's round the back. (laughs) That slide is from the third floor of the house. How cool is that? And uh, I mean, oh, just the sea. Just, I miss the sea. (laughs) Bye guys, I'm going back to Cornwall. No, um. But this is an amazing, amazing dream house. Whatever that picture is that you had in your head of what a dream house looks like, now it looks like this, doesn't it? With Liam, he's got a, he's got a nice field out the back too. But, but where are you going to park your car? It's a yacht now, Bob. It's a yacht. But we have these ideas of what our dream house will look like. And you know what? God has this idea about what our house should look like. He has, he has a dream house picture. And, and so often what happens is, is we can uh, have this idea of what our dream house is. And then we know what we can afford. And we get what we can afford. And then we plan to do all these like jobs on the house when we first move in. And then time passes, we've moved in, and we never actually always get around to all those jobs. Can I get an amen, Steve Piper? And, um, but it's true, isn't it? And we slowly come down from what the dream was, comes down to what we think we can afford, down to what's achievable in the time, and then down to what we can really be bothered to get around to doing. And you know what? God's dream for this house is far bigger than we think we can afford. And so often we end up filling it and being busy and never even getting around to the jobs that we said we'd get around to. But God has a dream house for you. Our house is a dream house. Our house is a dream house. And it says in Proverbs 24, verses 3 to 4, it says, Wisdom builds the house. Because as we become wise to what God says about his house, it will build his house. As, as we begin to get um, understanding by his Holy Spirit, as his Holy Spirit reveals and gives us revelation to what God says about us, his house, and the house, 
It starts to establish that house. It starts to, it starts to make more form to it. It's not just the foundations anymore. There is form to it. It's, it starts to take shape and beautiful. And, and then those, uh, that slide gets added and, and the, the paths make, are made straight and beautiful. And, the, and the, the plastering happens and the paintwork happens. And then, and then it says that knowledge fills the house with treasures, rare and beautiful treasures, because wisdom and understanding and knowledge that only comes through knowing Jesus and experiencing his Holy Spirit and it working in our life, builds, establishes and fills his house. So this is the adventure we're going to go on in the next few weeks. Um, which I'm really excited about. Dream house. Well, let's turn to um, Mark 11, verses 15 to 17. And while you're, you're getting there, this part today is our house is a house of prayer. Our house is a house of prayer. You know, God hasn't given us this amazing gift called prayer just for ourselves it has a massive part to play in the house and uh we're going to look at that and i'm really pleased that this week has fallen on the beginning of refocus too because what it does is it gets us refocused on what this week's about as we gather together and we start to humble ourselves and pray and we'll we'll see god do some amazing things but we get to start here so our response to the message this week will be refocus but uh Let's go to Mark 11, 15 to 17. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it into a den of robbers. Jesus goes mad. So he walks into the temple. He's, he's arrived into Jerusalem. He's been on this journey and he arrives into Jerusalem. And, and as he arrives into Jerusalem, all the people come out and they're like, the Messiah's coming, the King is coming. And they start like putting palm leaves on the floor and they start laying down their coats. And Jesus is riding on this donkey that he, the disciples just got from somewhere because Jesus told him. And, and then he's riding in on this donkey and this amazing procession happens. It's all spontaneous. And he gets in and he, he starts teaching and he walks into the temple. Now, this is the place where God's presence is supposed to be. This is like the holy place. It will be full of people coming to like atone for their sin. So we know that in the Old Testament, there was all sorts of um, ritual sacrifices, all that sort of stuff that was set up to make people clean, to heal people and to set people free from sin. Okay, that was what happened around the temple. But Jesus goes absolutely mad. He walks into the temple, he starts 
throwing things around and taking it all off and chucking Anna's Bible on the floor just because I'm jealous because my kid's drawn all over mine and hers is still perfect and he's going mad and he's throwing things everywhere and he's getting really angry he's thrown the bird cages over so all the birds are like just fly can you imagine the craziness as these all these birds are flying around it was chaos he wouldn't let people go He'd say, no, you can't go through there with that stuff. He goes mad and then he starts teaching the people. I mean, there are better ways to like get people's attention. I always think that when I go into, like I've done assemblies and things and you go into school and you go to do an assembly and the like teachers really don't set you up well because they've just gone mental at the kids right before you're supposed to get up and you're like, "Mm, okay thanks for setting me up well there because they've just like absolutely lost it because yes seven you haven't got your ties on properly or whatever which is probably true Uh, but but Jesus has just done one of these things where he has gone absolutely mad and then he's about to land a point that cuts right through it and for the ones that got the wisdom for the ones that got the knowledge for the ones that really got to grips with what was happening in that moment it would have transformed the way that they looked at God's presence because Jesus goes mad and we know that Jesus is really kind and compassionate and would come along the ones that other people wouldn't even notice yeah he'd heal the ones that were outcasts from society but in this moment he goes mad so there's got to be a good reason there's got to be a good reason for this moment And the reason is quite simple when you get to grips with it. He was so mad about the fact that people had accepted the lie that they had to perform in order to receive God's presence. In fact, you could put it like this. You've been sold the lie that this place is for transactional gain, not a place for relationship with your father. Is it possible that in your prayer world, in your prayer conversation with God, because prayer is just a conversation with God, you have been sold the lie that that place is for transactional gain. That means I give you something, you give me something back. I pay for these fruit pastels, I take the fruit pastels away. And not a place of relationship with your father. That's what he was mad about. That's what he was mad about. And you know what? I feel mad about the same thing. How often do I go to God out of transactional gain? I need something here, God. So I'm going to give you something. I'm going to give you some of my words. And I'm going to almost speak to you as though I'm pleading or like, um, you know, like as if you're not a good father that wants to give me good gifts. I I come to you because I need something instead of... I just want to be with Jesus. I just want to be with my father. That's what Jesus was mad about. My house will be a house of prayer for all nations. You see, the trouble was that some people could come in and they would have the money to be able to do the sacrifices, to give the sacrifices, to enter close relationship with God again. And some people wouldn't. Some people would be welcome. Others wouldn't. It would cost some people nothing. It would cost other people everything. 
But God's like, it's a level playing field. Me and you. Me and you. It's just about me and you. Even if, even if you don't get what is ever on your shopping list for me, it should be about me and you. You know, Jesus' journey to the cross, he spent time and time and time again with his father, but he became less and less and less and less. How crazy is that? It's not about our gain. It's about our connection with our father in heaven. How cool is that? You see, the truth is, though, like um, sometimes we can be, uh, we can we can worry which line we go on because is it like, am I going to get something from God? Well, yes, because God's asked you to do that, and we'll get to that in just a second. And then on the other side, you're like, but I just know it's all about relationship with you, Jesus. But the truth is, it's both. Sometimes we go for options. We think, oh, this is this is an option, and this is an option. But actually, God's like, no, prayer is both. I want you to be in conversation with me and I also want you to pray and ask me for stuff because I want to do stuff in your world. If you go to James um, 5.15, I can't remember whether it's coming up on the screen. It is? Well, I'll just go with that. And it says this, And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Wow. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. In other words, God says, ask me. In fact, Jesus said, said this, would any of you fathers, if your son came and asked you for some bread, you'd give him a stone instead? Uh-uh, no. You'd give him some bread. So even if you, in all your weakness, are going to respond to your child and want to give them bread, how much more is your heavenly father going to give you good things? You see, God wants to answer our prayers and he wants us to ask him. He wants us to ask him because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. It says up there a million times he wants to heal them. He wants to raise them up. He wants to make the sick well. He wants the the sinners to be forgiven. He wants us to petition him with our prayers. And you see, there's two types of praying. And this is the first one is this and because prayer is cause and effect whether we like it or not prayer is cause and effect you see this is like one way that we pray and it's it's when we need an answer to prayer you know the kind of prayers like the sick person in your house uh like uh like the financial need like the we want to see this place filled with lots of people who don't know jesus yet you know that kind of thing or the all the addicts set free and and all of those sorts of things and and all sorts of issues healed and just amazing right we want to see our sons and daughters come home and be in relationship with jesus and and mental health issues um done and all of that sort of stuff And because what happens is there's a cause and effect when we pray, God acts. Yeah, there's a cause and effect. It's kind of like dominoes. We go to God and we say, hey, God, this is what we need. And we know that you're able to do all things, right? 
Nothing is impossible for God. And we pray and it's like a little domino effect, right? It's like a little domino effect. And, and all that happens on the outside, doesn't it? That We watch the beautiful... Have you ever seen those amazing dominoes where they set them up for days and days and days and then it's over in 30 seconds or something? But they, it's absolutely amazing. It's just one little flick and all this amazing stuff happens and you get to watch it. And that's kind of like when a miracle happens, isn't it? It's this beautiful moment when God just does something and suddenly the dominoes go... Because you've gone to him and you say, hey, God, we need this. Hey, God, I believe that this is what you want to do in my world. And the dominoes go, and it's beautiful. And it's outside. You see it. It's for the world to see. It's for awe and wonder purposes so that God gets the glory. It's like the time that I just said to God, hey, God, I want a car. And you told me to be specific. So I want a Honda Civic. Um, Okay. A little while later, somebody says to me, would you like my car? I say, absolutely, I need a car. You can have it for free. Amazing, even better. What kind of car is it? It's a Honda Civic. That wasn't just so that I had a car. That was because the people in my world needed to see that God is a good God and he wants to bless his people. And then there's other times when, uh, when I, couldn't, I had double vision as a kid um, quite badly and that meant that I wrote like really ridiculous things with my ex. So this is how mum discovered it. The teacher took, pulled her in and was like, um, we're not quite sure why Lisa's writing like this. And it was because I couldn't see. And uh, basically I was like, I don't want to wear glasses. I don't want to wear glasses. So mum was like, well, ask somebody to pray for you then. And I'd heard the preacher say that you ask, in fact, it's the verses that just precede this that you ask the elders in your church to lay hands on the sick and they'll be recovered right and so I was like right well I'm t- this I was seven or eight maybe and uh went in I was like oi <laughs> oi you <laughs> like I went to the church where like the elders were old you know and I was like you need to pray for me because the bible says that you need to pray for me and my eyes will get better and they were like oh okay then <laughs> small child <laughs> and uh and I just prayed. I was like, right, great, thank you. And I walked away like this because I was trying to test whether or not my eyes were healed or not. And the truth was is they were completely healed. So I went back to the opticians to have them, like, you know, when you have the glasses sorted out and stuff. And he was like, hmm, hmm. And my mum was a fairly, like, new to this whole, like, miracles thing as a new, newish Christian. And um, he's like... Oh, well, there doesn't seem to be anything wrong with your eyes anymore. Your eyes are perfect. And uh, my mum was like really pleased but sinking into her seat because she's like, now how do I explain the fact that my kid's eyes are miraculously healed? And so mum told him the story and then the receptionist in the, in the, in the opticians was like, um, so... I just heard you tell this story about how your daughter's eyes are better. Um, I've had a really bad back for a long time. Would you pray for me? And my mum's like, I don't know. <laughs> so I prayed for her and she was healed. And um, that's that. Because when we petition God, he wants to heal. He wants to set free. He wants to do a miracle. And he doesn't just want to do it for you. He does because he loves you. 
but he wants to do it because it brings glory to him and then welcomes other people. That whole period where Jesus is going around praying for the sick was just to demonstrate the glory and the closeness of God's presence on earth in that moment. And it is the same today. He wants to demonstrate his goodness and his power. It's like dominoes. It's on the outside of us and it demonstrates his goodness and his kindness and his grace towards us. But then there's this other side of prayer, which is called, I'm calling it full bellies, because there was this time, and it says it repeatedly in God's word, that Jesus, King of the universe, Saviour of the world, King of heaven and earth, who is healing the sick, who is driving out demons, who is raising the dead to life, who is walking on water, who is doing all sorts of amazing, turning water into wine. What a miracle. Absolutely incredible. Feeding the 5,000 out of five loaves and two fishes. Absolutely crazy stuff. He's doing all these powerful and wonderful. He is God incarnate. That means he is God and fully man. That's incredible. And yet it says, Jesus withdrew to get some alone time with God. Sorry. Wait a minute. This king of the universe, all powerful, who is healing the sick, who's doing all these incredible, incredible miracles, who stretched out a withered man's hand, withdrew into solitude to be with his father. Not once, not even twice, not even when he was desperate. But he did go there when he was desperate in the Garden of Gethsemane. Repeatedly going in, getting some time away from everybody else to be with his father. Because prayer isn't just about the dominoes that paint a beautiful picture and do something amazing that makes everybody stop and go, wow. He's about what he does inside of us. It's, it's more like this. It's more like some food. A melon? Anybody want a melon? No, you can have some melon. You go, Anne. You look like you like a melon. And, um, and some carrots. It's like carrots. Here you go, Steph. You can share that with Amy. Break it like bread. Jesus would love that. Um, and some, some chicken. I won't give that to you, Bob. Um, there you go, Chloe. Uh, uh, you can have some uh, corn. There you go. Corn. And, uh, because there's another type of prayer which is about doing something inside you. The domino cause and effect is something happening outside of you. But this is ha- what happens on the inside. You see, we go to this place of prayer, not just for what God can do on the outside of us, but far more important than all of that is what God does on the inside of us. Because wisdom builds a house. Wisdom builds your life. That wisdom is knowing what God's will is for you. Knowing what God thinks about you. Knowing what God wants to say to you in that moment. Knowing what his word says. That's called full bellies, because if I don't give myself a balanced diet of all these things, if I don't feed myself physically the food that I need, I can't operate in what I need to do in that day.
if I was going to do a marathon, which I'm not, I'm a bit quick to laugh there, Bob. If I was going to do a marathon, <laughs> I'd have to eat the right level of what I needed to eat in order to exert that kind of energy. And when we go to God and we just get that alone time, like it says, Jesus withdrew, closed the door, went on his own, spent some time with his father, not some time with his father and his spouse, not some time with his father and his parents, just him and his God, him and his father fills you up with a full belly ready to do the next leg the great thing is is we don't need an empty belly to have a full belly you don't have to get to that place where I'm like I'm so empty guilty but I can go all day every day the Bible says pray without ceasing what does that mean just stay in conversation with God all day just little things do you think about that God I don't know what I think about this and we're so quick to speak how about we get better at being quick to listen because if prayer is a conversation you've got to be a good conversationalist and a good conversationalist listens and responds or responds and then listens because that's what prayer is a conversation with you and your God. I believe this, that prayer is the breath of the church. It's the... It's what we take in and it's what we breathe out. That it will affect the world around us when we take in what's good and we breathe out, it's going to affect the world around us. It's going to transform the world around us. You see, God says, pray according to my will. Pray according to his will. What does that mean? To pray according to his will is so much more simpler than it sounds. It's simply this, to use his word as a guide to your prayers. It's to use his word as a guide to your prayers. It's to, to take his word and say, this is a promise for me and I'm going to pray in accordance to it. You know, I realised that I was really rubbish at praying for my girls and I'd just get really distracted or fall asleep <laughs> as they got into bed <laughs> and you just like sit with them for a bit and I would just fall asleep <laughs> too. So I, I, um, I started like a little prayer journal and all it is is really simple. I've written down, according to God's words, some prayers and some promises over their life. And so now I put them to bed and I go and get my little black journal and I open it up and I read the prayer. I read the prayer because prayer is really simple. Praying according to God's will for my kid's life is saying, God, this is your word and I'm going to pray in accordance with that. How cool is that? But you know what, church? We've got this next week and a, a season of this where we are going to just dig down in prayer. And this week is about asking God to search me. It's more about us listening than us speaking in those three days, Wednesday to Friday, because what we want to do is give space for God to speak. We want to, we want, 
we want God to do the miracles and he will. We have faith and we have authority for those things. But moreover than that, we need to have a search me attitude. We need to have a, I'm closing the door and I'm withdrawing with you, God, and I'm going to spend some time in your presence seeking you and what your will is for my life. And that's going to be our response. So we're going to sing a song just in a second, just to end. But but I just want to encourage you, if you think that you can escape that temptation that you face, if you, if you think that you can fulfil your purpose in life and the call that is on your life, if you, if you think that you can um, see God do some amazing, incredible things in your world, if you think you can even read your Bible and fully understand it and comprehend it without spending time with your Father, you can think again. Because it's those moments when we withdraw that empowers us to hold back temptation, to hold back the threats of the enemy, to stand firm and then stand firm again. It's, it's, it's those times when we withdraw with our King, withdraw with our Father that empowers us for whatever is next, for whatever is ahead. That is what it's all about. And so we're going to outline time to do that this week, church to get to know our God again, to draw in closer and closer again. And we will see God do some miracles. I'm believing that we first are going to get set free from all sorts of things that are going to be healed from all all sorts of things. I really believe it. God's going to do it in us, in our withdrawn moments. So I really want to encourage you this week. Perhaps refocus isn't really your thing or you it's really complicated for you to get out in the... I get all of that. I really, really do. But to outline some time, just you and... G- We're going to create it so it's really easy for you to just be with Jesus. Is the mo- the best spent hour of your evening Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and hey start on Monday if you want to in your own homes because our house is a house of prayer Jesus called it a house of prayer it was called it way before that in the book of Isaiah this place God says I'm bringing you back and this place will be a house of prayer okay Let's stand to our feet and pray and then Ames will just lead us in a song as we finish this morning. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that we have your power and your presence, that you are not a God that is far off, but you are a God who is close. God, that you want to do amazing domino cause and effect miracles where we come to you and the cause is you and the effect is phenomenal but God we also want to draw in and see the cause which is coming to you in quietness and closeness and aloneness we've drawn into a lonely place with you God that has the effect that transforms us from the inside out that God our hearts would be pure that our hearts would be soft that our hearts would be responsive to you that we would know where you want us to move that you would know we would know where you want us to go that father we would not ignore your word in our life but we would just learn to sit in stillness before you to bring our thoughts and our cares in fact it says in your word that cast your burdens onto Jesus because he cares for you and God that we would be good stewards of that that we would outline time in our world just to be with you because God prayer is the breath of this house 
Our house is a house of prayer. Our house is a house of prayer. And God, that people would know it and recognise it and know that, hey, that's the place of miracles. That's the place where I hear God. That's the place where I feel God's presence. We love you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your word, your wisdom that builds the house, knowledge that establishes it, and understanding that fills its rooms. We love you, Lord Jesus. Give you all the honour.